welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life and today Peter and I are going to be talking about change, crisis. How do we deal with these things that come into our lives sometimes by our own choice and sometimes through nothing that we had any control over at all? How can we move through very hard times like that and come out the other side in a better place? That's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Yep. And I, I, well, I always look, listen to that and go, exciting? Well, it depends on where you are in the crisis and um, what, what stage of it, because it's not always so exciting. No. It's overwhelming and it produces a lot of anxiety and trouble. But you know, before we go any further today, a couple of things. I listened to last week's podcast, I'll be very frank with you, and it really is an education. Um, but I sounded, well, yes, I, uh, I have a lot of expertise in this, I've been doing it a long time. But you know what? There's one thing that we have made as a core value of these podcasts, and that is not to be sitting in a, a chair of superiority, um, talking down to people. And, you know, for a guy who's had a PhD for a long time, uh, had a lot of credentials, I read some, I read some old credentials that I had last, uh, yesterday in a, in a professional journal, and I was thinking, yeah, I remember having all of that, and it was, I earned it and I worked hard for it, but I'll tell you what, it became a barrier. And um, that's why even calling me Dr. Bernstein, unless I'm in a real structured uh, bureaucratic situation, um, I, I avoid it because it creates barriers between me and my fellow man. Now, this series is meant to bring, shed light on the experiences that all of you are having. Um, now, we started this far earlier than the COVID-19 crisis far earlier than all of the disruptive anger and violence and antagonism that is going on in, in the United States. Um, so we've been on it for a lot longer. And we do know what we're saying, but if it doesn't hit the mark for you, then that really doesn't mean anything other than making us look really smart. And I would really make, what's so important to me is to remove, they call it stigma a negativity. I don't want that. I want to make sure that what we say you know is coming from people that are in the same, in many ways, have going through the same kind of things you are, some of it even worse. But yet it's the way we cope and have, with all the experience that we've learned and learned from and are still learning so much. Um, that's what's really important, that we're not that more, we're not that ex more um, uh, above it all than anybody else. And I, I listened to our last week's podcast, I'm thinking, you know what? You sound a little too smart. You have a lot of expertise, 
and this almost sounds like a sermon or a seminar. That's not the way we wanted this to be designed. What, one of the things that happens, I think, one of the drawbacks of this format uh, that we don't have when we're in the office with someone is that we aren't able to see how people are hearing us. Right. Uh, when we're face to face with someone, we can see when their eyes kind of glaze over and they've taken in all they can and they need us to slow down or they haven't been able to follow what we've been saying and we don't have that opportunity here speaking to you. Mm -hmm. And I know from, from, because I'm with, you know, we prepare for this together, that Peter gets excited and wants to share and help and support and give all that he can to help everybody out there. And at times he puts so much into it that we wonder if it's overwhelming. And we don't want to do we that. We don't know. We can't And that's tell. why we want your interactions. And that's why we're going to set up a question and answer segment of every show from now on. Right. Um, because we we don't want it to um, sound like it did last week. And, you know, some of our staff said, you do have an, a lot of life experience in the sense of the changes you've gone through, the crises, the, the, the life struggles that have been very difficult, probably a lot harder than most people because there have been more of them. And I'm the kind of person that actually thrives off of some of it. So when it comes, it's not like I'm a person that gets stuck in the mud or lets my fear take over completely at all. Um, I've had so much experience with so many different things um, in life that uh, I look at it as a new challenge, something that makes me turns on my creative buttons. And, um, and that's with feelings and emotions of a very difficult situation or crisis. It's both. So it's not that I love emotions. It's not that I love crises. It's that once I see what it is, I know, I know what to start looking for and how to get creative and how to move through it and help others move through it. That is a calling in my life. So I want to share it with others because I know it, not everybody is me. And I want to have a heart, and I do have a heart for what other people go through, believe me. So, Jenny's right. I can't really see where you are and what you're dealing with, but I'm seeing enough around me with the COVID-19 crisis and the anger and the frustration and the fearfulness and the, un the instability um, and how it's really affecting people uh, on, a, on a pretty massive level. Um, it's a disturbing time. And every time we think we're making progress, there's another setback through no one's fault, really. Um, some of it is overdone. The media really gets off on this. And I think their job is to almost emphasize it to the point of really scaring people. And um, I don't think it's good. I don't think there's much perspective on it. Um, I think their job is to, you know, bring it out and really feed onto it. And then they get into, they all have their political and journalistic attitudes and beliefs and that comes into it. And then I go, now what has this got to do with the people that are going through this? Is this really political at that point or is it personal? And when I listen to a lot of it, many times it's, it doesn't seem personal at all. So I look at that and go, well, that's happening when, when the media does that, um, it, it creates, separations and divisions and it's antagonistic many times 
and it really feeds into people's fearfulness. Not the healthy fears that tell us how to, that we need to be, take precautions and it makes sense and that's different. It's when those fears are fed and they're, and they're telling you how bad the future is going to be and how bad it looks and that's when things in my mind go, they don't know, no one knows. And they're feeding people's worry and anxiety and, and fearfulness in the wrong ways. So instead of bringing out strength in people, stability, they're doing just the opposite. I really don't think it has much to do with what people need. It's what the media needs. You bring up a really good point. I think that one of the things, one of the things I think almost everybody recognizes in a time of crisis or a very uh, difficult situation, there's going to be a lot of emotions um, that come up. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, uh, fear, anger, sadness, uh, and they can be very intense. And like any emotion, there are ways that our emotions can get us into trouble, and there are ways that we can harness them to move forward. And that's an area of, when I say expertise, I mean experience that we work on the front lines. We're part of that. We talked about it earlier, that extraordinary reality. We don't work where everybody else works. We're involved with death, dying, trauma recovery, crisis. We've been, that's, our, that's, what we've been, that's what we do. So of course it affects us. We have an empathetic type personality. We care about people. We've had to develop an awful lot of expertise in how to manage ourselves and others through these difficult periods. We're, we've, we've had a pretty good success record, but we don't always succeed. Um, and uh, we had a nice testimonial today from a, a Marine that we treated, what, two and a half years ago? Two years ago, yeah. And he called us today, and it was so nice to hear um, how what we've done for him has affected him and impacted him. He's not saying he's perfect. We know he's not. But we know he's a good, he's a good man. Yeah. Does he have anger problems? Yes. Yeah. Is he in danger to others? No. Has he been? Has he been? Yes. And he spoke about what we did for him and that what we do is not the typical kind of therapeutic interventions and counseling. It's We help him deal with the body and how it reacts, how his nervous system was distorted. Um, how emotion has built up in his body. Yes. yes. And um, he's, he's a smart guy. He really is. Um, mm -hmm. And But he talked about the tours that he did. He lost his best friend. And I remember that just tore him to shreds yeah. um, with guilt and pain. Um, and um, so this is a fellow we really think a lot of, but you know, we haven't seen him in two and a half years or talked to him. And then today, no. he just opened up and he was so acknowledging and how important our work is to help in trauma recovery. He didn't say he's perfect, no. but he said, I sure don't have the kind of problems I used to. He said that now that he, the work that he'd done with us, he helped him become aware of the the one before he got to explosive or enraged he could feel what was happening in his body and know that if he didn't do something about it it would take him somewhere he didn't want to go man i used to see it happen yeah <clears throat> and if you've been a uh, a soldier in any of the services and you know in in our basic training there's a muscle memory that is it can be it's meant for battle it's meant for danger, <clears throat> and it's intense because we're taught to react before we even think. 
and that doesn't fit in a civilian society, and yet we bring it back. So it's a fact that we have muscle memory, we have our nervous systems that have been distorted in the sense that we're always geared to danger and hyperarousal and really being on guard, and it's too high alert, too much, too much higher an alert that's needed. And it can, when it gets triggered, and we, we'll talk about this in the next segment, when that does happen, reactions can be very inappropriate and dangerous. And just, yeah. And this fellow talked about, he was, I remember when, when he came in, he was, wasn't, we've, we've had people that are, we don't want to treat them because they threaten the staff and then I got to be a bodyguard. And I honestly, I don't mind being that. I'm one of those people that I, I've been that way. But we don't need that. We want to help the people. This is a fellow that we didn't it have was, to worry about that. It was so good to hear from him today. Yeah, to we hear didn't have to we, worry about that at that all. That we did help him. No. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are here today and we're slowing down just mm -hmm. a little bit yeah. because we, we watched ourselves last week and it was, it was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are back today uh, to talk about ways to get through very hard times with, with some moving forward, some progress, some letting go of old uh, old ways, old habits, old attitudes that are that are no longer needed. Um, awareness of emotions and how they can either be destructive or actually kind of power us through into something better. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where we were when we uh, took our break. Um, how do we use intense? How can we? manage intense emotions or feelings and use them in some kind of a more positive way? Well, that's a good question. Um, the, I want to just finish up the last segment, one part about triggering, which is a specialty. It has to do with a situation that could be very similar in the present in some way. Um, and it, it may bring up old trauma, like it did for this young Marine. Um, where it really was a bad time before. And then maybe a situation is a little bit difficult, but nothing like it. But it triggers the intensity of emotion in his nervous system, and it takes him over. Um, I, too, have had that issue, uh, certainly why I paid attention to it, because I had to get help with that a long time ago, and it was, I'm, thank, I'm very thankful that I did, and so is he. Mm -hmm. um, that happens to people. Now, in the situation we're in now, See, we, we specialize in working with individuals and situate, we, Navy SEALs, Marines, people that have been in combat, people that have had um, leftover remnants of their very difficult personal experiences. But it was specialized. It wasn't all a society. Right. It was a specialized segment. Right. Okay. Well, it's different now. Yeah. Because it's not specialized just for individuals. It's our entire society. Everyone is and it's not this. just in the United States, it's all over the world. This is what we call an extraordinary reality, but not just for a certain segment like us, the frontline workers. Mm -hmm. First it's responders. everyone. And we have had so much experience with it that yes, we know how to cope and manage it better. But we go through it too. 
and we just have more experience with it and don't run away. Now everyone is facing it, and not everybody is prepared to cope. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've yeah, talked. Yeah, you were talking ahead. earlier, and I and I've watched you do this. Um, you uh, can't remember quite how you put it, but basically, um, uh, when people talk about uh, or we talk about moving through a hard time, there's there's this there's this decision, this acceptance that you're going to have to respond in some way to some change or loss. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to get into some hard work. Um, something needs to change. You need to change in some way. Um, and you are good at diving in and taking it on. And I know from watching you that you harness some energy to face this to move into a very difficult situation and find answers. Um, and that's what you've also taught and helped people who come in. Men do that, absolutely. Help people to do that. What is that like? How, how is it that you can, what does it take to use your, your emotions or your feelings to help you move forward? It, it takes a couple of things. Um, it takes experience and it takes making a lot of mistakes and maturing through the mistakes. Um, I have a pretty built up arsenal and it's not complete because I'm di dealing with difficult situations now with my beloved wife. Of, uh, we've been together for 47 years. So I'm not saying I have expertise in everything, I just have a lot of experience. But the other part of it is my personality, the kind of person I am anyway. I love, a, I love an adrenaline rush. I mean, I race cars, I ride cutting horses, um, I'm competitive, I'm athletic, and I, I, my comp competitive drive isn't that different than when I was younger, except it's more, I want to say measured, but probably not that much. But I love that. So there's an energy that I have. There's other people that face the same situations and they get petrified and they freeze. Well, I didn't have that luxury when I was growing up. I grew up hard. Now that set the tone in some ways for my life, for sure. Um, the kind of people I grew up with, my family, my parents, uh, the kind of traumas that I went through with them, the kind of traumas I went through growing up on the streets of New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I did have sensitivity, but it would be a deadly vulnerability with the way I grew up. So I had to learn how to master um, very difficult and read very difficult situations and know how to respond. And I uh, didn't always do it right, that's for sure. I do remember, and I'll be very frank with you, when I was younger, my tendency was to run, not to fight. Um, I just got to a point that I knew that wasn't, gonna, that wasn't working. I couldn't stand how I felt about myself, and it certainly fed on itself in the culture I grew up in. And I just made a decision one day that that was over. I was going to stand my ground, and I did learn from that point. I didn't win every battle, but I stood my ground, and through, by doing that, I learned plenty. Um, and uh, I didn't mean I always won everything. But even when I was in the service and I got out of the service, I ran into civilian battle and very dangerous situations in the construction industries in New Jersey. But I was ready for the battle. And most people, civilians, would never take on what I took on, but I was young. I wasn't that smart yet. And it was extremely dangerous. And anything that threatened my family or my workers, I'd go to battle. I was not somebody who ran away. Did I face situ? I lost many of those battles. And um, through losing, I learned so much. And um, I learned how to manage 
Uh, I want to say with God's help, I wasn't exactly aware of God at that time yet, but through what I went through, there was definitely a spiritual awakening um, because I walked away alive. And a lot of people around me, not all my workers, but we didn't walk away alive. A lot of people ran away. They were so terrified. I didn't. In fact, that was one of my young, headstrong attitudes. Somebody had to say, it's time for you to let it go. And you can't win this one. In fact, it's, you're entering, it's getting too dangerous. And you don't have a mark on you. And I remember that when they tell me it was an awakening, that when I was involved and immersed in a very dangerous world, but I was so used to it, I didn't even know how bad it was until afterwards. So I had a lot of upbringing about survival. Um, and it's carried forward for all of these years. I also was an entrepreneur, and I was brought up to be a leader. And uh, even at my young age, I was running uh, pretty large construction crews. We called them um, independent contractors. They were all on my payroll, but we had a lot. And even at a young age, I could get a lot of people that were very loyal to me because of the way I treated them. And it wasn't just about money. It was about, the, as a human being, I cared about them and they knew it. So I could instill that kind of loyalty. So I did learn a lot. And to this day, um, I can read situations in the business world. I can read situations going on right now with the financial world, with the COVID-19 crisis. We at our institute are able to anticipate a lot of the instability and the, um, you know, instability is, is, is a nice word mm -hmm. for the way businesses are reacting, banks are reacting, a lot, of, a lot of things that other people are just terrified about. We get on it right away and I encourage my staff and they're learning, here's one, and they learn well. And we usually anticipate um, a lot of that that's going to happen and we find out what to do about it and then we move quicker than most people and it works yeah. now we don't catch every move because things are so unstable now but that comes from my years of, of entrepreneurship and and what I have known and learned from uh, and you're talking about right now what I learned is that uh, and you mentioned it is the 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 creativity that you jump in and you've made mistakes but you've learned from them. And then you got thought up something else to try that you just went into this process of, I'm gonna try something. If it doesn't work, I'll learn from it and I'll try something and else. And that works for us. And we've helped other people. In fact, I've talked to other people, small businesses, and I said, we'll help you do it. The ladies in, that run our office, they know how to do this, they'll help you. And you know what gets in the way is Fear, that intense, we're, now, we're, now we're back to intense emotions. Fear can prevent people from, from thinking, I can't make a mistake. I can't step out and do something different here because some horrible consequence will come my way. We're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. We really are. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're tuned in, but we go through the same things that everybody else does. It's just that we have more experience in a certain way. Um, so that's where we can help others, and that's what we want to instill in others. I think that we've read a couple of editorial articles in the Wall Street Journal and in the New York Times in the last few weeks. It's been very good articles. There have been some good ones. There's been some, a profound one by um, a theologian. Cavan Rowe? Cavan? Cavan, I know it's a different name. Very profound, yeah. very excellent, talking about what we can learn um, for the COVID-19 crisis and how to survive it from dealing with death and dying. 
which is very much where we are. Yes, and um, yeah, I read it. Now he was a professor, right, mm -hmm. at Duke University, I think. Yeah, at the the theological. And I read the article. And I think there's going to be one heady intellectual article, and it wasn't. Not at all. And why? Because he's taking care of his dying wife, and he's talking about what he's learned and learning as he's taking care of her. So it's very touching. It's also profound. He's an intelligent man. Um, he talks about what's really important and how to survive these terribly difficult times, and that there's a history, um, for a long old history, about how what we can learn and how to survive terribly difficult epidemics. Death and dying goes back, my God, and this guy is a theologian, so he studied, and he talks about Ars Mariende, the art of dying, mm -hmm. and what we can learn. I'm taking care of my beloved wife, and I'm learning all the time. Am I getting, do I feel heartache? Of course. Does it destroy me? It could, but it doesn't. And I've helped so many other people with the same exact, in fact, a lot of people that come to see us or help are dealing with many of the same things I am, or similar. Does it affect me? Of course it does. And I don't ever want to sound like it doesn't. But I don't have to bleed my own pain and, and contaminate what other people are going through. I know how to not allow that to happen. So I take care of the, and help the people in front of me, but that doesn't mean I'm immune to the feelings and the energy and the disturbance. Of course I, I feel it, but I know how not to let that, my own experience, pain, um, get in the way. I use it to teach and help people. Um, we'll talk again, but I think what we need to really um, isolate is a concept that I, being a psychologist for so long, I didn't always agree with many of the basic th theories and most of the psychiatric thinking. I, I was one of those people, I was a rogue. I was a young, and I thought through it and went, this is not okay. This doesn't fit reality, and I don't want to be part of it. I was partly through a PhD, and I quit to, to find another PhD that was more relevant and impactful. So I tell people I have a PhD, I actually have a PhD and a half. I didn't finish that first one because I didn't believe it was it was relevant. Yeah. But we'll go into why. Yeah, let's come back to that. Yes. Yeah, I know you're building up to something, but yeah, we'll be back. Okay. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Just before our break, Peter was going to share with us something that he's come to as he's moved through his career and has pretty much transitioned away from being a therapist to being a coach and mentor. Uh, but part of the teaching uh, as a therapist that he started to see through. Right, and I saw it through, it wasn't just in psychology, it was in psychiatry as well. But one of the things that bothered me, and there were a number of things, was there was certain thinking about develop, how life develops for people and what the norm is. Some and how stages, it, yeah. Yes. Anybody who reads in psychology or takes Psych 101 learns about Erickson's stages, and, and uh, I can't remember who else had stages, yes. Okay, well they, they, they really put in a lot of emphasis, it's about a hundred year old theory, of course, it talked about linear, how life progresses from birth 
to develop all the different stages all and eventually things, yes. marriage and education. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, you know what I found? That's not the way life works for a lot of not people. Not real life. No. It's not this linear transition that we're supposed to stick to. In fact, I found it to be a dangerous way of thinking because real life doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. But what I found is life has a lot of disruptions to it. We're throwing a lot of curves in our life that if we stick to that old way of thinking, we are completely handicapped and paralyzed. And how interesting it is that an article we read recently came out with saying exactly the same thing mm -hmm. uh, by Bruce Feiler, Feller. He's had one in both the Wall Street and the New York Times, and he talks about how crises and difficult times don't follow a linear progression. And he's right, and he said the same thing, it's dangerous and it's wrong. Yeah. And I, I, I don't agree with every part of his article, although I think it's a good article. He brings up some good points. But that I agree with 100%, and I've seen it for years. It's helping people accept and learn how to master the disruptions in their life, the little disruptions, and the major, he calls them life quakes. That's his, mm -hmm. where they really change the very, they, it's like an attack on your very core of who you are. Yeah. And it really throws you, okay? Another and, thing almost everyone's going through right now. Absolutely, this is a life quake time. Um, and you know, if you're going through more like I am with my wife on top of it, it truly is. I would say rather than the COVID-19 being, it's my, losing my beloved wife who I just adore. And um, I, I'm just crazy about her, and I don't want to lose it. And that, whatever she's got left, I want to be there for it. Yeah. She's been precious. But that, to me, is a life quake. I've had other life quakes, and I've lost other people. I've lost children. I've lost businesses. I've lost a lot of things. And yet, out of every one of them comes a, a transition into something better and new. Mm -hmm. Every time. Mm -hmm. Never fails. Is there pain in the loss? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no denying it. Knowing the emotional pain that goes with it, I almost, when I say accept it, I know it goes with the territory and I've learned how to deal with it so it doesn't take me over. Our work has to do with people recovering from trauma. We teach them how to deal with their body, how to deal with the impact of trauma, what it does, our body being the reservoir of all these experiences, and if we don't tune into it, it will ha take on a life of its own and we will act, act it out destructively. So I know that's true. We know how to deal with it. Does it happen to us? Yeah. Do we act destructively? No. But we could. I certainly could with my, my history. But what I do find is that these things are not, oh, when I think people think of a crisis, they think of it's devastating, life's over, it's the most horrible thing that could happen. And that doesn't tend to play out because it goes into what we call from the life quake is what the, uh, Bruce Weller, Weller? Feller. 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 Talks about to life, trans life transitions. Yeah. And the transition is the way through these life quake changes. He does make the point that, that you do have to voluntarily, you do have to accept moving into this time. Uh, you can stall, you can just get stuck, you can refuse to go into it but that you must accept and take it on. Absolutely, and he's right. And um, that, that first step is up to us. Yeah. Even if it's been an involved, and you know, there's a, one of my favorites is Viktor Frankl, who was in a concentration camp in Nazi for four years. He's lost most of his, he lost, written some profound books. And now there was a psychiatrist and a, a, 
somebody who really, when I read it, I'll never forget it from my, in my master's program, thinking, this guy knows what he's talking about. We're not talking about even transitions. He's talking about uncontrollable crises that are horrible beyond belief. But, he says, we do have a choice. And the choice is how we respond to the crisis that we have within us. And we can become our own hero in the midst of all of this by choosing to do an action that will be more positive and constructive no matter what. I believe that all the way. Do I think it's easy to come to? Never. It's always very, very painful and difficult. And he, of course, he talks about that. Mm -hmm. And so do I. But it's that first step. It's going, this is not going to destroy me. I am going to move through this and take steps in a new direction through all of this. And, and it's actually through the crisis that we seem to be moved in new directions. And when we're, we're at the point where it's really overwhelming, the chaos is, is just unbelievable. You know what usually comes out of it? Creativity. Mm. I mean, it never fails. That's why when I hit crises and it gets pretty messy and difficult, the amazing thing is I get creative. And if one thing doesn't work, I start looking at new possibilities and it never fails. Do I have some of my old repertoire? And the answer is, of course, from old experience. But I don't always find that it works anymore unless I've morphed it and tweaked it to the current situation. And that's what I teach other people to do. We can't fall back just on our old reactions anymore. We've got to look at the current situation and get creative and adjust to the current one and take the first steps. It may be scary, but we have to have the hope and trust that it's going to come out eventually well. And that's beyond our emotional states. You've made the point so many times in, in what you've written and what you've said to people is that the two things to hang on to to get through very hard times, to survive an adversity, is to have hope and to be willing to learn. And that's what you're talking about now. You have hope that you're going to move forward, but you also are going to be willing to get creative and be willing to learn from mistakes or from the results of what you're trying. In fact, a lot of times you have the hope. It, you, it's positive, but that doesn't mean you know what the outcome is going to be. You've just got to have the faith and hope that it will begin to emerge. You'll get glimpses more and more as you get closer to it about this new direction. You still, if somebody's waiting to take that first step until things are clearer, I usually, I've seen too many people in absolute paralysis and fear do nothing mm -hmm. because they can't see the outcome. No. So they not only don't get creative, they get paralysis. I am a, a, a proponent of getting, kipping, kip, kicking people into action and getting them to take those first steps, even though they've been through hell and back, which I have a deep heartfelt empathy for. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta get people to step beyond it and know that there will be some kind of positive, creative outcome as you move forward. And that's in spite of terrible fear, grief, anger, pain, shame, all of the really rough emotions. This is in spite of it all. Mm -hmm. And my, it's interesting because the way I work with people, sometimes what's caused them to be in paralysis, which what brought about, is so legitimate. And so, they're so filled with grief and pain. Um, and it's legitimate. I have such a heart for that. Something from their past has, has created this reaction in them. And then they take it in a bad direction because they're letting the emotion dictate 
instead of going beyond it. So they actually have, they be, I call it, they begin to disrespect their grief and their pain. And they're doing things that aren't really honoring what they're you going through. say a little bit more about that? How do you well, mean that? I, I, first of all, I do think, you know, if we're talking to some, about people that are grieving from what, that's totally legitimate. I don't look at that clinically, that is human. Uh -huh. And when people are going through losses and pain, personally and um, financially and whatever, and dealing with death and dying and sickness, financial reversals and whatnot, um, there's pain, there's grief, there's loss. Anticipatory grief, anticipating someone who you love dying, dealing with terrible sickness, uh, lots of things like that. Um, but there's a way to honor it too, not to immerse ourselves so completely in it that we don't do anything. Or if we do, we begin to strike out. We begin to get angry and resentful. And we're seeing so much of that, by the way, uh, socially now. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of people striking out in frustration and anger. It's a heartbreak, and I, I think it's evil. I, I, I really do. And it's turning man against man. Based on color, a good person doesn't hold prejudices against anybody with color. It's all people matter. All lives matter. It should be that way. So once you start seeing these battles and these frustrations, it's where it started legitimately, it's being dishonored and disrespected. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. And I've seen too much of that, but we've seen it before. And that's why I tell people, you've got to honor what you've been through and take more positive steps. Not turn on your fellow man with your anger and frustration from their grief and hurt people, but it's time to do something more caring, more empathetic, um, more positive and creative. So it's a different, it's, and it's not fear-driven, it's not... It's not anger and frustration, it's an honoring the process of going through these and coming out with something so much more positive and so much better. Do I think part of it would be, I do think, caring for our fellow man? Absolutely. Um, seeing what really matters in life beside our 401ks and our finances? Absolutely. Those are all externals that can come and go. It's what we do inside that fulfills us and learn to find the path to fulfillment. And sometimes these crises give us an opportunity to reevaluate our lives, our careers, the way we've treated people, um, our relationships. This is a really good time. Difficult and agonizing, yes. Can it bring us to a better place, though? And the answer is absolutely. Mm -hmm. A more honorable, honest, genuine place with integrity, decency, and honor. Yes, and that's where we became the heroes of our own stories and our own pain. That's what we encourage people to do. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and Peter and I are starting something new today. On our last segment, we're going to do questions and answers. And so we welcome your questions. If you write in with a question, we will do all we can to answer it. 
Um, I'm going to start, Peter, uh, by asking you, we've been talking today about some of the attitudes that really can serve, can help in hard times. Mm -hmm. You talked about having hope. You talked about getting creative and uh, trying things, making mistakes, and learning from them. Mm -hmm. What kinds of attitudes are not good to indulge in <laughs> when things get hard? I can think of a few. Well, um, I'd, I'd love to hear yours. I, one that comes to mind, because I think it is pride. Yes. And um, we've written on it. We've written papers on this. Yes. And I think that one of the problems, and I I'm, suffer from a great, for the way I was raised, and if you knew my 95-year-old mother, you know what, where, where it comes from, talking about pride. But one of the things I see is that when people are really going along, like everything is moving along, and they're accumulating, and they're, they're living the good life, um, especially in the United States, but in other places too, um, what really begins to happen many times is these barriers of selfishness and pride begin to go up. And people are competing to better each other, and I've seen that a lot. Um, there's healthy competition, and then there's unhealthy competition. When it, it's the unhealthy type is when you're doing it at the expense of somebody else. That's not healthy. Um, and I see a lot. I've seen too much of that. And even in this crisis, this has really come out a lot in this particular crisis. I would have hoped it would have been overcome by now, and it's not. But what I think that happens after a while, we're stripped in these crises. Whether we like it or not, we're stripped back to bare bones. Um, and we begin to look out again and seeing a fellow man in a completely different way. Not competitively, but compassionately. Because we're all going through this crisis, this difficulty, this adversity together. And there begins to get to be that compassion and caring. And all of a sudden the pride element, the barriers start to come down because we don't need to be prideful anymore. What we really feel is humble and broken. And then we realize other people out there are humble and broken even more so than us and that there's other people that need help too. And that's in seeing that in spite of the pain and suffering we're going through. In fact, the more meaningful caring and charitability of self and other um, has to do when we're, also, we're going through our own and yet in spite of it, we're able to reach out and relate to others in pain. That's when you begin to see the barrier of pride come down. And that's a great attitude adjuster. It comes the hard way. Our society, personally, I think we really suffer from pridefulness. Um, I know I have. Um, and yet the brokenness is so precious because we've become human. Do we feel weak during those times? I do. And I'm one of those strong man types. And yes, do I like it? I can't stand it. And yet at the same time, I see so much good come out of it. Mm -hmm. And if I have chosen, had a choice, would I choose to suffer and be broken? No. It, but that's what a crisis. That's where you go through to get to a better place. Yeah. So things begin to change in a crisis. Attitudes, yeah. aptitudes, outlooks, things that we clung, we're hanging on to, dreams, and all of that are stripped away, and then we're brought down to earth. And it's a, it's a much, it's an improvement coming out of suffering, pain, struggle, and difficulty. And a good and a good outcome, yes. A good outcome. Yeah. Next question. Next question. Uh, in the article that, that Bruce Feiler wrote, uh, he says there are two parts of, a, of, of these times, these transition times, 
that are, can be hard for people. One is a, uh, it's a, a time of letting go, needing to let go of what's being lost. He calls it the long, the long goodbye. The other one that seems to be really hard for people is what he calls the messy middle. <laughs> it's when you have to dig in and really make some changes. Personally, for you, which of these has been harder? Letting go and saying goodbye to something or digging in to the messy middle? It's the long goodbyes. And I'm in the midst of one now. And I was, I was reading some of this stuff and to be honest with you, I found it very personally relevant because to me, the long goodbye is so painful to people, the way of life. Um, with my wife, we've had a very rich, fulfilling, loving life, enjoyable life in many ways. And I'm in the midst of saying my goodbyes to my beloved. And um, I find the long goodbyes to be the hardest. I'm not one of those people anyway that can just cut off and um, just get on with the next thing. And there are people like that. I was no, I'm not like that. If somebody crosses me and does something wrong, I can cut <laughs> them out like gone. a surgeon. I can surgically <laughs> cut them out so quickly. Yes. But I'm talking about life situations. Yeah. No. No. I think the long goodbyes to me are just it's a it's a form of letting go, it's a form of grieving. And grieving, yeah. And it hurts. And I'm in the midst of a, a long goodbye. And frankly, I think Ars Mariendi is a very clear Christian principled thing that came in the Middle Ages talking about the art of dying and it's about the long goodbye and the value that comes out of it. And I know that article um, is absolutely on target, not just intellectually but personally. And I, I refer to it many times and he's also saying the long goodbyes to his wife. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful article on beautiful principles developed in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they talk about a longer death and dying. Today, a lot of people think, well, the quicker, better, and, and the, 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 mm -hmm. that's the better way to go. Yeah. I don't agree. It might be their pain talking. Yes, I don't agree. And neither yeah. does he, and neither do those principles. It's what we learn from the long goodbyes. Yeah. So to me, that's the more difficult one. The messy middle, Bring it on. <laughs> what can I tell you? If it comes, I'll deal with it. And this is the New Jersey coming Yeah, out, okay? I don't care. Yeah, she's right. I grew up in the New, New Jersey area. Bring it on. Go ahead. Yep. If that's what we're getting into, I'll find my way through it. Um, I'm a fighter, and I will find new ways and encourage other people to find new ways to get through this for the better. And um, it works. It works, and I've been through many, so I know it works. They're never easy. And it's almost like you have to become, it's stripping away old attitudes many times, old values, old things that you've clung to, and they're stripped away. And in that, as you do that, you begin to develop a deeper sense of who you are, a deeper sense of purpose and meaning in your life come out of that, for sure. And I value that. That's one of my highest values. And also, um, a deeper sense of integrity and character and genuineness about what really matters in life comes out of that period of time. I want to stop you for just a moment because you've anticipated my third question today. And that is the, the, the talk of the, the idea that by going through something very difficult, by struggling through something, by coming out the other side, like you said, your life can take on a new purpose, uh, a new meaning in what you do. Um, how has that 
how can I mean how can people get hold of that? Is it a is it, it's not just some sort of um, transcendent type thing? No. No. It, is it is it a real a real practical down to earth life thing? It's a real practical down to earth life thing, <laughs> and that we need people who've been through it to mentor us and come alongside us. I'll tell you that. Um, and if you've been through a lot of them, well, you can probably carry a lot more of it yourself. But we always need other people. Um, there's been some very good books out. One by the the Marston's book called Transformative Resilience talks about it. Um, this fellow Bruce Feller talks about it um, uh, he talks about what can come out of it and he calls it the new beginnings that we do reach that point where after you've gone through this and the Marstons talk about it and there's we've been talking about it for years there's good things that begin to happen that you never would have come to if you didn't go through the messy middle part that you didn't go through the struggles and pain and crisis you never would have come to these better places the new beginnings there's a new identity you're a better person from it. Where the, the messy part's messy, well, I know in my life they were darn very messy um, and difficult. And yet, I, it's part of my story now. You know, I look back on it and I can, I can talk more objectively about some things that would scare the heck out of a lot of people. Yeah. But I came through it, and for the better. Um, you know, I, I wound up going back to school and getting my advanced degrees. <laughs> I didn't even get my undergraduate. I had, that, I had to come to that. But I had to go through these terrible times of being stripped and know I had to get on my feet. And the new beginnings were going to happen in California and educationally and career-wise. I was younger, and uh, I wouldn't say it was easy at all. And there were a lot of personal crises in the midst of all of that, and yet so much good has come out of that. So I can see in some ways that through those difficulties that I've overcome, and things that I didn't, wouldn't ask for, um, where my idea of what good could happen is blown apart. Not by choice, not by, just that's life. You know, when you overcome them, you almost become the hero in your own story. Because, yeah, you, you mentioned know, that before. You do. Yeah. Because you've overcome, and you can look back and it, well, that's not me anymore. I'm more than that, but that is part of who I am. And what have I gained from it? Look at the strength and the values and the purpose and the meaning of all of it become spiritual too, not necessarily religious, but there's a spiritual comprehension that begins to come through all of that, that there's something bigger. That's very intimately connected. The spiritual side of life very much is connected with meaning and purpose in your life. For people who react negatively to religion, uh, and we're not talking about not religion. talking about religion necessarily for some. Almost anyone can relate to what gives your life meaning, and that is spiritual. Yeah, spiritual always comes out of crises, um, not necessarily religiously or so. But I'll tell you this: it's an awakening, mm -hmm. and it's an important one because it's one thing you realize is we don't have the control that we think we do, or that we profess, or the strong man type like me thinks I have. I still go there, but it doesn't work. There's some other power bigger than all of us. There's a calling. There's a design on our lives. Sometimes that we just have to take the first steps and engage with it. But I don't think we're always calling the shots on the design. I really don't. I think there's a spiritual element that's much stronger. Now for me, it's a relationship with God. And that has come through incredible stripping and crisis. And each one I go through kind of not, it confirms it, reiterates it, 
Do I doubt at times? Do I have questions? Am I angry and frustrated at the outcome? Oh, yeah. Is my heart breaking? Yeah. And yet something deeper in me tells me there's good in all of this. There's good that's going to come out of this, no matter what my emotional state is now, bitterness, anger, pain, have all of that. But can something good come out of it? It always does. As long as I clear out and de decompress the emotions. Well, back to how important that is. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is. Okay. So, we've done something new, and I thought it worked really well. I liked it. I liked doing the questions. So we would like more people so to... So please let us know. And if you send in a question and you would like, we have something we can give back. We have a great little booklet that Steve created. And uh, Steve took uh, some of the principles that Peter has put in many things he's written on how to get through very hard times in life. And we've taken them, and Steve has created a little booklet with each page has one of the principles on it. It's a beautiful thing. We'd love to give it to you. Let us know a question, or just let us know you'd like a copy, and uh, we'll get it to you. I am Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com, mm -hmm. and I'll send you one. So, get my paper. Uh, the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations. And we hope that what we've done today benefits you and you would consider supporting uh, SCTT either on their website, sctraumatreatment.org, or through their GoFundMe charity campaign. Link on the website. Uh, our podcast website is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Please like and share. And we're also on YouTube. We have our own channel, and we encourage you to go. There's long, you know, regular podcast long form. There's short form. There's lots of things you can find on our YouTube channel. So please go check it out. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, if you wanted to have uh, to talk with Peter or I, or like I said, send us a question, uh, Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com or 707-781-3335. And keep it chin up. Yep. We'll Don't be, give up. Hang in there. We'll be back. We'll be back.